When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they show it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What's up, everybody? I'm not going to rub it in too much to my good friend uh, Ryan Talbot over there, but I am in the sunshine uh, of Phoenix, Arizona, right here at the Biltmore Hotel, the site of the NFL's annual meeting. Uh, We got a chance to talk to Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott, Ron Rakuya, executive vice president with the stadium update today. I know a lot of Bills Mafia were able to see the the renderings, um, the latest photos uh, of what the the new stadium's going to look like. We'll, we'll touch on that as well. Welcome into Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast. Uh, we got a lot to talk about today, Ryan. Yeah, we do. But yeah, first and foremost, jealous. I have family out there in Buckeye, Arizona, about 45 minutes from Phoenix. So definitely jealous of the weather, uh, jealous of that situation as it's raining here and uh, mm. snowing in other parts of Western New York as we speak. So, yeah, I um, I use this as a an excuse to bring the family out. Uh, we have, uh, my aunt lives out in, in Phoenix yeah. and she always texts me about like, uh, how sad she is that she doesn't get to see the kids a lot. And, uh, you know, she comes back to Buffalo once a year. So this is a perfect opportunity. We've been out, um, before really the things got going, we did some hiking, took the, uh, they took the kids to the zoo the one day, uh, we went a horseback riding yesterday. So yeah, went in Rome, right? Like just, just doing it up big time in the desert. That's right. Packing in all those events. Got to meet her actually around uh, the holiday or around Thanksgiving. It was, I believe, before really. Yeah. Detroit. Yeah. So very. Cool. Yeah. She was she's a big fan, a uh, bigger fan of Ryan than Matt. That's OK. <laughs> she's just my aunt. No big deal. All right. Let's get into this thing. Um, I, I, I want to start with the, the headline that we made here. Um, mm-hmm. We talked on our last show reacting live to the uh, reports of DeAndre Hopkins and the rumors that maybe the bills linked to that. And. I want to get into Brandon Bean's press conference today because I I posted a video clip. Uh, I asked him the question. Obviously, you know, DeAndre Hopkins is on the Cardinals. You can't, you know, comment on that too much. But just, you know, these reports that are out there linking the bills to the team. And, you know, he came back and said, listen, there's we make calls on everybody. And and this is something that we've said on the show before. When the bill when, when there's a player, a good player, all pro caliber player the bills are usually going to make a call and figure out what it's going to cost to go get that player um i thought that there was a little bit of pushback from brandon bean today and that's why i said maybe pumping the brakes a little bit on the deandre hopkins stuff and the latest report from jeremy follower uh, over the last couple days was that the cardinals are looking for a package that's like a two and a three similar to what the 49ers got for christian mccaffrey and honestly bills or anybody else I, I think a team would be foolish to give that up because there's no leverage on the cardinal side They they know that teams around the league know that they want to move hopkins and so now if you're brandon bean and you know how much he likes his draft capital you can kind of just sit back and he could say at the owners meetings that you know 
Maybe there's, uh, you know, don't believe everything that you see on social media, but he can be patient in his approach to the Hopkins pursuit. Yeah, and any team, including the Bills, need to be patient in terms of Hopkins if that is truly the asking price right now. Uh, because you said it, Matt, there's no leverage on the side of the Cardinals. And if you're looking for a two and a three, uh, you better be taking on most of that contract that Hopkins has left, which they're not going to do. So uh, it comes to their asking price. It comes that it's out of the realm of possibility. In terms of what Bean said specifically today about Hopkins, you know, social media, this, that. Well, I, I do take that uh, and I consider what he said there. I all, you know, you, you know that, like you said, the Bills have called on him. Every team has probably called on Hopkins uh, that is looking for a wide receiver option. So now it just comes down to how seriously do they want to upgrade that position and how patient are they willing to be? So if the, the demands go down on the side of the Cardinals, I wouldn't be shocked if the Bills, who have been linked to him by uh, media outlets and, and considered at one point the, the favorite to land him, I wouldn't be shocked if maybe that is the case. And, you know, Brandon Bean's not going to come out and just say that, yeah, we're we're trying to get him because then you might get other offers elsewhere, too. He could also play coy with the fact that, like, maybe if he didn't like the asking price or maybe if the asking price was too much, it's easy to say, oh, well, that it's embellished how, how much you're really interested. And maybe they are really interested. And it's one of those situations where they're just like, well, we're going to sit back because we just don't see a lot of other teams. And and this is another thing, too. You know, the Carolina Panthers go out and they, they sign DJ Chark. So that kind of takes also Adam Thielen. So they're, they've already kind of reshaped their wide receiver room. You know, the New York Jets, that's that's um, a, a team that's kind of been out there. Not so much for for Hopkins so much. You know, there's the the, the, Philadelphia, or the New England Patriots who go out and they make a big signing in Juju Smith-Schuster. Probably still fit a DeAndre Hopkins trade in there. But a lot of the, the, the big movers and shakers are, have already kind of made their moves um, at the receiver position in the Bills. While there's... They're probably okay with where they're at. And, and Bean mentioned that as well. It's like, you know, you go out and you get a Trent Sherfield, you get a Deontay Hardy because they can do different things. And now you give Ken Dorsey different variations and different options. But I think if the price is right, it would not surprise me even right now in this moment if if Brandon Bean's in on those conversations, even as they pick up steam, maybe closer to the draft or maybe even after the draft. Yeah, and you might have to wait until after the draft because right now um, the Bills should be kind of focused or turning their attention to the draft aspect of it. You're one month away from the first night of the draft. I'm sure that uh, they realize that while there's no DeAndre Hopkins type players that are going to fall into their laps in round one, th- there's a lot of guys in round two, round three that you can come in that would be additions to this wide receiver room at least. Uh, could be guys that could come in and contribute right away on this uh, in this year's draft class. So Hopkins is as good as that sounds potentially. The Bills aren't in a rush to make this move happen, nor should they. So like you said, if the asking price comes down, that's when you make the jump. That's when you consider uh, moving an early day three pick, maybe if you're Buffalo, uh, trying to make the compensation work. Obviously, there's other hurdles they would have to clear. Uh, but the Cardinals at least are letting DeAndre Hopkins and his reps talk to teams because uh, if you are willing to trade for him, I'm sure extending him, lowering that cap hit in 2023 is going to be part of the game plan for whichever team lands him. Um, on Odell Beckham Jr., Brandon Bean was asked directly about whether or not the door is closed on that. And he said he wouldn't say that the door is closed. And here's the direct quote. Until someone's gone, I wouldn't close the door on anything. I think you've got to always assume that we'll always look and pay attention to people's markets and their skill sets. And if they're a free agent or if it's someone to trade for. So that's a situation like, you know, maybe 
if you really want to read deep into it, that you know that could be that you're kind of line into you know hope if you're a Bills fan for a Hopkins deal. But the Beckham Jr. thing is is really interesting, and I saw somebody put it out. Uh, Diggs tweeted today, "Timing is perfect," or or something along those lines. Uh, three words, so nothing crazy. And and then Odell Beckham Jr. I guess had an Instagram story where he posted a song that was playing in his car with the same exact three words. And so people are starting to link things together, but it was interesting. I, one of the points I've been making on, on any of these moves and and my, I don't know, my apprehension to kind of dive with both, you know, feet into the, into the water on any of these ideas is, is the apprehension that the bills might have of adding another, superstar wide receiver into the mix. I mean, we heard what Stefan Diggs said at the end of the season, and it just feels like it's got to be the right player fit. And interestingly enough, I asked Brandon Bean about this, and he said when they had Odell Beckham Jr. in last year, he said he knows it's 14's team, and he wants to fit in where he can. And I think that that's the key to this, whether it's Hopkins, whether it's Beckham Jr., maybe something that's not even on the radar right now, whoever that other player is, Gabe Davis entered into this thing as a rookie, somebody that, you know, idolized digs. Like it's a little bit different when you add a guy that's like, you know, has some uh, skins on the wall, if you will, in the NFL and Beckham Jr. would certainly be that. But the fact that he's so willing to kind of fit in and and, and play kind of like that Robin role, I think is interesting and why I think the door should be kept open for Beckham because if at the right price, that's still a nice addition to the receiver room. Yeah, I do wonder, though, if when he said this is 14's team, if if he was thinking about just like a late season run, if he was going to be healthy enough to do so, Mm -hmm. knowing that he'd be able to hit free agency again this year. I'm not saying that is necessarily the case because he might come in and say, yep, this is Diggs's team. I'm just here to help you win a title, things like that. When it comes to Odell Beckham Jr., the Bills will have to wait on that signing, I believe. And if you know the exact date, Matt, correct me. I believe it's around May 2nd. It's shortly after the draft ends where you can sign free agents and it doesn't count against uh, the compensatory pick formula. So when you're looking at a guy like Odell Beckham Jr., no, you're not going to be breaking the bank for him in some ridiculous numbers. But at the same time, you're not going to be able to get him in at that under $2 million cap hit. Uh, that Bean is intentionally doing with a lot of these signings to make sure that they're still in play to get a compensatory pick for Tremaine Edmonds, who left, obviously, signed a mega deal uh, with the Bears and is expected to play, obviously, tons of snaps, get the the stats necessary uh, to then give the Bills what would most likely be a third-round comp pick next year. Yeah, I mean, the comp pick uh, bingo is fun to play all throughout this kind of portion of the season. And I think it's important, you know, as, as being kind of foreshadowed next offseason, even today in his comments, talking about like right now that they're going to have to make moves next year to kind of deal with the cap situation that's on the horizon, mm. even with an expected significant jump in the salary cap and adding another, you know, third round pick into the mix to have some, you know, the potential of some mobility, I think is a really uh, nice pick uh, piece. Let's move on to, to Sean. We'll come back to some of the stuff that um, Brandon said, but I want to go to, you know, the declaration today that officially now Sean McDermott will call the defensive plays for the Buffalo Bills. And, and now that we've had some time to let this kind of sit and, you know, you heard from Sean McDermott today, thoughts on what this means for the defense on a, a variety of fronts. And it was interesting. I thought um, one one thing that he said about Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde was really interesting. He was, um, he was asked about how important it was now that he's transitioning into this role of wearing both hats, of head coach and defensive coordinator, how important it was to get Poyer back because now Poyer and Hyde in the back end, you know, that leadership. And he said it was, it was, it's nice to have that back, but it wasn't critical. 
which hmm. was interesting. I, in a lot of ways, I feel like I think him and Bean probably were reserved to the fact that Poyer was probably gone. Getting him back was one of the lucky moments of the offseason, if sure. you will. But um, now that Sean McDermott is going to call these plays, where do you sit on the fence when it comes to how this thing potentially could go for him? Well, first and foremost, with the Poyer point, I, I guess maybe he was saying not critical because you had Hyde. And then obviously with the cornerbacks, you have Trey White, you have Taron Johnson, guys that have been in the system for a long, long time. Uh, but he, he is a critical piece, obviously, whether Sean McDermott wants to say so or not. In, in terms of McDermott calling the defense, though, I don't think it's going to be a huge deal in early on in the season because this has been his defense from the get-go. He's had Leslie Frazier calling his defense. There's been times, not very long stretches of time, obviously, Matt, but there have been times where McDermott's taken over some of the play calling early on in his tenure, a few quarters here, uh, when he felt like the, the team was missing something. But obviously, uh, this has been his defense since he's joined this team as head coach, so I'm not really worried about it from that aspect. It's the wearing too many hats part of it that worries me because as, when you're a head coach, you have so many responsibilities in week. You have so many responsibilities mm -hmm. in game uh, that now when he's the defensive play caller, you know, he might have his back turned to the offense as he's talking to the defense about what he wants to see, what they need to do what in the next series. And that's got to be weird for a head coach because you're supposed to be watching every aspect of this game, offense, defense, special teams. So I'm hoping that whereas he says he's going to call it early on the season, and I said this a few weeks ago too, I hope there's a transition plan in place to hand it off at some point this year to Holcomb, uh, to uh, one of your other veteran coaches that has been here for many years or that you have a lot of confidence in, Eric Washington, who you've coached with, obviously, in Carolina. Uh, maybe a younger guy like Bobby Babich, if you're thinking he could be someone that is the heir apparent for that defense coordinator job. I don't necessarily care who that guy is. Whoever's earned that trust is at the end of the day is who I want to see happen, but there's so many hats in game, in week, that I do worry over the course of a season, it's going to take its toll on Sean. I like that idea. And I think in in a way, maybe this is like a um, a shadowing opportunity for whoever he ends up wanting to tab as the person. You know, they're not going to go outside the organization. He likes a lot of the coaches that they have in-house, and he probably likes a lot of the, you know, assistants that are to the position coaches on the roster. So anybody that he takes, whether it be Eric Washington or Bobby Babich or John Butler even, there's guys that are in the pipeline that could step up into those roles. But maybe what he wants to do is he wants to show – the expectation or set the expectation during the regular season. This is how aggressive I want you to be. This is what I want. This is the kind of, from a scheme perspective, they're pretty much aligned. I mean, they're in the same building. I don't think that there's going to be anything crazy that he's showing them on a game day that they're not already aligned upon. But I just think in game, I mean, you go back to those Carolina days and the aggressive, you know, uh, nature of Sean McDermott, the defensive coordinator. Maybe he wants to make sure that whoever he hands that job over to, they know that this is what the expectation is. And then maybe co-defensive coordinator in a lot of ways. And I think whoever ends up getting that role, I think Sean McDermott will still have a pretty large role or hand in it. And then also what I think this does is show you how much trust he has in Ken Dorsey. Because I think if there was more apprehension about what's happening on the offensive side of the ball, I don't know if he'd be so willing to put all of this on his plate. Because to your point, it is going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot in game when some of those just the like, you know, the the, the minutiae, the very fine details of the game 
uh, in between between plays, when to call timeouts, when to go forward in plays, when to be aggressive when the, when you have the ball on offense. If you're in defensive, you know, huddles, it's going to be hard to kind of manage all those things. And sure, you could tab people, and he said that he, you, you know, you could tab people, and and per, certain parts of the pie will maybe be cut up in different directions, but it's still going to live or die with Sean McDermott and whether or not those decisions are the right one. He's the one that's going to be at the mic after the game, having to answer for them. Yeah, that that's hundred percent correct. Uh, and it goes, you know, one, one guy I'm going to really keep an eye on is Holcomb, the defensive assistant that they brought in uh, a week or two before Leslie Frazier officially said he was stepping away for a year. I, I would like to see where he's at, uh, preseason the start of the regular season is he up in the booth is he going to give sean the eyes from above maybe some of the bills haven't had in, in quite a few years for the defense side because frazier's been on the sidelines there's something to be said about being up above seeing things seeing the way teams are playing you on offense uh, in this specific case where holcomb then can report down to sean and, and say you know here's what i'm seeing from up above uh to kind of like you said take a slice of that pie where some of these position coaches they can't necessarily do that. They have to be down there with their units. Uh, but it's going to be one of the more intriguing storylines to watch, especially early on in the year, see how the Bills handle this. Some roster news today. The Buffalo Bills go out and sign a safety and and one that they've had their eyes on uh, uh, for a little bit. Uh, Brandon Bean actually said today that they scouted him pretty heavily back uh, when he was in the draft in 2019. And interestingly enough, Ryan, this is now two 2019 draft picks that the Bills have acquired this offseason in um, David Edwards, uh, the offensive lineman, and now Taylor Rapp. And, you know, you put it in a story uh, that you just published before we went live that this was a guy that the Bills were targeting had they not gotten Jordan Poyer back. Now you're bringing in a guy that started 33 games over the last two seasons for the the Rams, uh, 17 of those um, in, in the Super Bowl season. And you're going to bring him in here to be your top guy off the bench. He hasn't played a ton of special teams over the course of his career, but I'm sure they might get him dialed up in that department as well. He could do it. He just hasn't had to do it because he's been a starter in, in Los Angeles. What are your initial thoughts on this move? Yeah, initial thoughts. I love it. Listen, he's coming off. And, and again, pro football focus is not the only metric to look at. But he's coming off a career year at pro football focus, a highest career grade to date, really good in run, really good. Uh, in coverage in terms of his first four seasons. He's always been a solid player, 48 career starts. And when you went into the the uh, free agency thinking, okay, this is a guy that legitimately might be starting opposite Micah Hyde as our replacement for Jordan Poyer, and then you're able to get him a few weeks later for under $2 million for one year, I love that move if I'm the Bills. And I love the move for the safety depth. You know, no offense to... Uh, anyone that's currently on this roster, anyone that might be added down the road. But the Bills have had a lot of guys over the past few years that just haven't been that answer for depth. Jaquan Johnson signed with the Raiders. He just never uh, looked comfortable back there in, in longer stretches when he had opportunities. We don't know what's going on with DeMar Hamlin in terms of that time frame of when he could get back. This is a starting cal- caliber safety that you're adding to a roster where, oh, by the way, last year, both of your starting safeties miss time. So it's someone you're going to have a lot of confidence to be able to come in, step in if needed. Uh, it gives you some new wrinkles. If, if you want to run some new defensive looks here and there, you could certainly do that with Taylor Rapp out there. Uh, pretty sure tackler, someone that, like I said, fits what Sean McDermott is looking for in defensive players. And the fact that they got him at the rate that they did, the time that they did, after he already made a free agent visit, by the way, with the Patriots, a team where maybe he would have had more opportunities he ends up in, in Buffalo as that third safety. 
I'm not even worried about special teams. This I know the Bills are you know special teams centric. They they expect a lot of their backups to play that role. I'm more than happy just having him as that third safety that I know if if something happens or if I need him out there, he's not going to miss a beat. Yeah, and I think um, you know there's some comments in here about like you know some different fronts that they could play, getting more uh, you know maybe some dime packages in, getting multiple defensive backs in the field, uh, finding way to use utilize them, and, I, and it it goes back. I, mean, I remember we were talking uh, the Kyle Duggar year about the Buffalo nickel, and I feel like somehow, some way, Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean are going to figure out a way to utilize that spot, and if Taylor Rapp fits in to that uh, position, I, I really like that idea. And, and listen. Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde, it's an exciting time. And, and, and maybe they come back and they're able to have availability throughout the season. But when you go back to last year, Ryan, they were both banged up. Even yeah. before the big injuries, they started getting hurt in training camp. I mean, it was like just little stuff. Nicks and, you know, they started a lot of games in this league. And, and those, those hours, those snaps, they add up after a while. And I just think that the Bills want to set themselves up with, okay, if one of these guys goes down, we have to have an alternative plan. You know, I think a lot of what DeMar Hamlin did last year was excellent. And I think had what happened on January 2nd not happened, they would have felt comfortable with sure. him in that number one depth role. And they probably still have high hopes for him. I mean, he's he's moving in the amazing direction. I mean, it looks like we're on tap on, uh, you know, the path to him playing again, and which is amazing. But I think you just you know, with rap, you get a guy that who started a lot of games in here. You can't you can't replace that experience. Can't replace that experience. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the training camp. We obviously remember Jordan Poyer with the elbow injury at training camp. Uh, Micah Hyde going up, I think, for an interception, landing awkwardly, missing a practice or two wasn't as significant as it looked. Uh, but this is also going to give you more chances to give those guys veterans day rest at training camp because you want to get wrapped as many snaps as possible. Uh, very intelligent guy, someone that's going to pick up the system quickly. But again, getting those live reps in McDermott's defense is going to help him significantly. So it's even going to help in terms of uh, saving Hyde, saving Poyer, keeping them fresh for when the games really matter. So no downside in, in a deal like this. The, the money was right. The quality of player was exceptional for what you're getting him for. And all of a sudden, the, the back end of your defense is that much stronger going into 2023. Pops Mafia asks, um, does Rap play free safety and strong safety? I'd imagine there'd be a, a certain amount of versatility. Uh, the early return on him is that he likes to play more in the box. Mm -hmm. uh, the coverage uh, has been something um, that's maybe been a little bit more criticized over the course of his career. He's a physical player, uh, probably plays a little bit more in line with what uh, Jordan Poyer brings. Uh, but again, I, they usually don't bring in players that can't do multiple things. And I think in this role for rap, you know, he'll be in a situation where if he is a, um, a long-term replacement plan for one or both of these players, what better way to have him, you know, indoctrinated into this bill's defense than to come aboard on a one-year deal cost effective Brandon Bean uh, confirmed today that it's under 2 million, whatever that ends up being. That's where they're at now. That's, that's the kind of uh, the, 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 the area of the pool that they're swimming in 2 million or less. So it doesn't affect the comp pick formula. And so um, you add a guy like rep who could sit, come in here, learn from Hyde and Poyer, get that download from two guys that have been all pros in this defense. I really like um, the way that that feels and looks. Yeah, and you mentioned it. You know, this could end up being a long-term replacement for one of those guys. Obviously, uh, Poyer's here for two more hides entering the last year of his deal. 
Um, but one other thing just kind of under the radar that I really liked about what the Bills have done in terms of their signings, a lot of these guys are in that 24 to 26-year-old range, uh, players that haven't played their best football yet, and you've seen flashes of it. So the Bills uh, could be setting themselves up to, yes, have to pay some of these guys bigger dollar amounts down the road, but you're also getting young guys in here that are going to be hungry for a bigger contract that have shown flashes of what they can do. Rap coming off of his best season, McGovern and the offensive line uh, playing good football in Dallas. Obviously, he signed for multiple years, but a lot of the you know, Hardy, another younger wide receiver that uh, had the foot injury last year. These are all setting them up to show us what you can do, and maybe you're going to be a part of our long term solution. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. What's up, everybody? Matt Perino here, one half of the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast, here today to talk to you about Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app with more than 5 million members. It is the most fun and exciting way to get in on the action while you watch your favorite sports and players. You just pick more or less on two or more player stats for a shot to win up to 100 times your cash. Testing your skills on prize picks this playoff basketball season is the most simple way to get in on the action. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and submit your lineup. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what makes prize picks the number one fantasy sports app. Download the app today and use code SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, for a first deposit match up to $100. Again. Download the app today and use code SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, for a first deposit match up to $100. Pick more. Pick less. It's that easy. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Little announcement here. Uh, we, we mentioned this last week. Get it on your calendar, April 15th, live in person. It is going to be uh, uh, Shout a Buffalo Football Podcast again at Wingnuts. Um, we, we've had so many fun shows there. It's going to be um, our draft special. It's going to be a big time show, Ryan, because and, and for a big time show, you got to go get a big time guest, don't you? Absolutely, you, know I got? you do. Did I, tell you, did I tell you who I get yet? You did not. Guess who my guest? Who our guest is? Oh no! Because what if I guess too small or too big? I'm gonna feel I'm gonna feel guilty. Who did you get for us? That's a good point. That's a good point. I was trying to put you on the spot, <laughs> see how you handled it. I like the way that you navigated that. It's good. From the Athletic, this is one of his favorite times of the year. Oh, Joe yes. Biscalia in person. We're gonna have to adjust the height of the camera setting because I'm gonna be here. You're going to be here, and then Joe B is going to be up here outside of the camera view. Uh, but he's going to come out. He's going to break down the draft. And I got a couple different ideas. I was thinking about doing like a live mock draft, but what about doing this instead? We'll put together, put our heads together. We'll put together four different draft day round one scenarios, maybe round one, round two scenarios. And then we discuss which ones we like more and for what reasons. What do you think about that, Ryan? I love that plan. I love that plan. I'm down with the mock draft plan, kind of letting it run through and debating 
who available we could take. There, there's a lot of different ways we could go with this, but I'm excited. You're right. Joe B loves the draft. Uh, less than two weeks away from the draft when we meet at Wing Nuts on April 15th. So Bills Mafia, make sure you are there. A lot of fun shows coming up on deck at Wing Nuts. Uh, stay tuned. We'll always announce them on the show. Uh, but if you haven't yet, go like Facebook on Facebook, uh, Buffalo Bills and Why Up page. That's where the events are always set. And so you can follow along and, and get the calendar, get the schedule all set to go. All right, let's go to the middle linebacker position. I want to couple, talk about a couple more things from today before we get out of here. The Bills have not been very aggressive at replacing uh, Tremaine Edmonds. And I think to Brandon's point today and Sean's for that matter, I agree with them. You can't really replace Tremaine Edmonds. And so I think the best place that you can go is, you know, familiarity, right? Like, you know, there was a report out. I think you put it out that the bills had shown some interest in Levante David. And that's an experienced mm-hmm. guy an all pro guy, a super bowl winning kind of player, but somebody that, you know, you get him in here, there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve. You know, he's played a specific style of defense. There's probably going to be a little bit of a difference. Tyrell Dots has been in this defense for many years now. You have Balen Specter and uh, Terrell Bernard, who are second-year players, who have now had a year in this system. And side note, too, before I get too far down the road, I want to talk about Balen Specter because Sean McDermott, made a very interesting comment today when he was talking about the guys that are on the roster, because that's the point that both Brandon and Sean made is like, Sean said, we owe it to these guys, the guys that are on the roster to give them a chance to compete. And so from the outside looking in, you think, okay, maybe that impacted their approach in free agency. You know, maybe don't go out and and pay big money for a Levante David. Let's take these three players and out of these three players, or maybe a fourth, if you draft a guy, we'll see if we can't find uh, a replacement in that way, a cost-effective replacement. But when Sean was going through the options, mentioned Tyrell Dotson being here for a while, mentioned Terrell Bernard and some of the things they like from his rookie year, he specifically mentioned that Baylon Specter is training in Buffalo all offseason long. Should we get, it got me to thinking, should we get Baylon Specter maybe a little bit more on our radar? Because if you go back and look at his scouting report coming into the league, I feel like the way that he plays is going to be something that interjects himself into the conversation. And the fact that Sean McDermott really likes these day three guys that have a chip on their shoulders. I I think like all things being considered Spectre has to be somebody that at least is considered at this stage. Yeah. Based on who they currently have there too. I think he definitely deserves to be talked about as a legitimate option as of right now. Obviously if they go out and they, draft a linebacker in round one or round two. Maybe he's not in that conversation anymore. But Spectres, like you said, training here in Buffalo offseason, has the system, one year of the system under his belt. Uh, from a prototypical size uh, aspect, probably fits in, in that role better than um, a Terrell Bernard, for instance. But they're, they're going to let these young guys all have at it. And Dodson, Dodson, I think that the coaching staff has the most faith in, in terms of knowing the ins and outs of this defense. That doesn't win you the job, though. It's going to come down to the skill set. It's going to come down to who makes the most plays this summer. And if the back end of your defense, the secondary is strong, and you can bolster that defensive line, you know, you, you are going to be able to get away with having a downgrade at that position over what you had in Edmonds. Because, again, Replacing a guy like Edmonds is not going to be easy to do. Might even be impossible for them to do uh, in 2023. 
So the Bills have to kind of say, okay, what's going to be our, our plan of attack? Which one of these young guys that we currently have uh, should we get out there first or what should the rotation be? Let them take their lumps a little bit, learn on the fly, and you might actually end up stumbling into a long-term option in that role. And I'm sorry, that was Brandon Bean that said that. I misspoke, not Sean McDermott. So, you know, obviously mm-hmm. noticed Spectre around the building. I also asked about the approach at middle linebacker and how much maybe Jordan Poyer resigning at the number that he did maybe changed their their ability to be aggressive at middle linebacker. Because when you go out and you spend $7 million on Jordan Poyer and maybe you had set aside, okay, we're going to go after a Taylor Rapp for like a veteran minimum type contract. And we'll, we'll spend that 7 million at the middle linebacker spot to replace. And I'm sure like, you know, David, what, what did he end up signing for? 7 million? Oh uh, yeah. I think one year up to 7 million, I believe. I believe right. it's up to 7 million. So it could end up being um, different escalators in there and things like that. Yeah. I don't want to read too much into it, but like, I think that that was probably the, the shopping range for the position. And then, you know, Jordan Poyer comes in and, and of course, Sean or Brandon Bean said that that didn't necessarily change the approach. I think maybe what it changed is that, okay, you get Jordan Poyer back in here, you're losing Tremaine Edmonds, but now with Poyer back, you're not losing as much leadership because you're getting Poyer back in the mix. Sure. Who's ran the back of that defense for a long time. And so, yeah, I mean, the AJ Klein is somebody that's mentioned uh, in here. He's still out there and, and I'm very much, uh, proof positive that he'll probably be in the mix in some capacity again next season. They tried to move on from him before he wound up back in Buffalo again. So I think that that's a, an easy name to add to the mix. And then Brandon said, listen, even if it's not through the draft and in the draft, you know, there's, there's going to be some, some players that probably need new homes after the draft. And he's not ruling out continuing to add at the linebacker position um, before training camp for more competition. Yeah. And, you know, going back to what you said, I'm pretty confident Brandon Bean and company had a plan A, B and C in free agency. And plan A was probably the the far fetched plan that we're going to get Edmonds back at a a team friendly number. Plan B was somehow getting Poyer back and plan C was we don't get either back. What are we going to do? And that might have been a wrap. It might have been Levante David. It might have been this, that and the other. But once you get one of your two veterans back, it obviously handcuffs you a little bit from the financial aspect of it. Uh, but it also eases your mind in terms of what you already have there. You already have uh, Poyer now on that back end, along with Hyde and all those other other veterans that I mentioned earlier in the show, and Trey White, Taron Johnson, et cetera. You have a linebacker, Matt Milano, that's, that's been here since day one with this regime uh, that you have a ton of confidence in, no matter who's end up starting next to him. And, and that helps you. That gives you that peace of mind. But in the draft, you know, guys like Drew Sanders, Jack Campbell, uh, Simpson out of Clemson, all guys that could be in play day one, day two in, in that range. But I like what you said too about some veterans are end up ending up getting cut here after the draft because someone's going to fall into a team's lap that they weren't expecting, or uh, they can save a lot of money by drafting this player and cutting this player. So there's still going to be options out there. Don't panic if the Bills don't sign any linebackers between now and the draft. Don't panic if the Bills don't draft a linebacker in round one, two, or three, which I think actually more fans would be pleased with if that didn't happen. Uh, They want offense all the time. But keep in mind that there's a long way between now and training camp, and there's going to be some good veteran names that become available post-draft. We're going to have to start a a Dalton uh, Reisner watch segment of the show the longer this goes on the more crazy and crazy that it, I, I just feel like he's not budging he's probably not budging right. on his on his asking price and he's probably thinking or 
you know, or his representatives are thinking that he's going to eventually get that deal. But that's just one person we talked to. I was just thinking about it during the free agency period where, you know, there was probably high hopes in that camp for him to get a big deal. And just, it hasn't materialized. It's just kind of funny because we spent so much time talking about him. Sure. And you know what? He might be one of those handful of guys that says, okay, I'm going to wait until training camp. I'm wait, I'm playing the long game. Someone's going to lose an offensive lineman a critical offensive lineman and guess who's going to be at the top of their list. It's going to be Dalton Reisner because the drafts come and gone, the free agencies, slim pickings. And then might, he might get closer to that number that he was looking for. If he's not coming close to what he was hoping to get on the free agent market, he doesn't have much to lose by waiting in, until uh, closer to camp, closer to when these injuries are going to take place. It always happens every year. There's teams that suffer significant injuries on the offensive line at other key positions. So, wouldn't shock me at this point in time. Maybe that is the, the plan or the the plan of attack if you're Dalton Reisner. Um, I want to I want to bring this one up, Matt Ross. Yeah, just just stop. Neither of these players are joining the Bills. Bean made that extremely clear on serious NFL this this afternoon. Next topic. I assume he's talking about DeAndre Hopkins, Odell Beckham Jr. Here's something to keep in mind. Look around this league, the history of this league, not just in in Buffalo. Look at what they did a few years ago to Josh Rosen, the big graphic. He's our guy, Cliff Kingsbury said, uh, leading up to the draft, and they end up taking Kyler Murray. Uh, last year around this time, there was trade talks about A.J. Brown, and the Titans GM said, we're not trading him. He was traded during the draft. I, I don't want to use the word lie, but teams speak out of both sides of their mouth. GMs speak out of both sides of their mouth this time of year. So, you know, to sit here and say that the Bills aren't going to trade for DeAndre Hopkins, they're not going to sign an Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, in May when, again, he wouldn't count against the compensatory pick formula. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and say that it's out of the realm of possibility for either of them to be Buffalo Bills next year because I've seen it too many times in the NFL where there's GMs and coaches saying one thing, and then within a matter of weeks, the exact opposite happens. Same thing with Denver right now. Sean Payton saying they're not trading either Sutton or Jerry Judy. It would not shock me at all if one of them was, ends up getting moved during the draft or after the draft because the the asking price or what, what they're getting in return is too good to be true in their eyes, whatever it may be. So just because of what Brandon Bean may have said about, oh, it's social media, don't listen to social media, that doesn't mean that the Bills aren't in on Hopkins. If the asking price is right, I guarantee you that the Bills and a lot of other teams will pounce on the opportunity and try to convince Hopkins that they're the best landing spot for him. Right. And the the important thing to remember, too, is that, the, the first of all, there's so many variables in this situation uh, that happen all the time. So, you know, first of all, the asking price from Arizona, that's a variable to this. Once things kind of um, really started getting down the line as it's, as we've seen in recent days with DeAndre Hopkins now being allowed to talk to teams. That's going to be another variable in this. Okay, you trade for Hopkins, you give up assets. Is it a situation where, okay, um, we could trade for you, but then are we going to have to sign you to an extension? Like, is that going to be part of the talk? Do you want to sign a 31-year-old wide receiver to an extension? Odell Beckham Jr. has a bunch of variables. He probably sees himself at a certain point in the market, right? Well, teams probably around the league are either hamstrung by the cap or they just view him at a certain um, risk level that they're not really willing to go beyond. And so that's these, these things, these 
the variables in the situation are constantly changing the dynamic of the exchanges or the team's interest, the player's interest. And I feel like to Bean's point, he said this multiple times over the years, is like everything's got to come together. Usually teams are making calls and for every nine calls that are made around the league, one deal is made or one uh, signing happens. And, you know, just because the Bills are, are, are calling on DeAndre Hopkins doesn't mean they're going to get far enough down the road to trade for him. But I do think what we can take away from this is that if there is a deal to be made and it fits into the long-term plan that Brandon Bean has for his roster, he's not going to hesitate to make it because he knows the window that they're in. He knows the kind of firepower that he wants to add to this offense if he can find the right fits and if Hopkins doesn't materialize, maybe it wasn't the right fit. That could be a piece of this too. At 31 years old, as good of a player as he is, it could be a situation where just all the pieces of the puzzle don't fit in just right. But it is line season. I think it's okay to use that word because everybody's probably lying around here in some way, shape, or form uh, as, as teams are trying to reshape their roster. Yeah, that's perfectly said. And uh, you mentioned all the, the the everything that goes into these trades. But you're, you're right. If, if it, the price is right, the Bills are going to try to pounce on one of these guys because you said it. As long as you have Josh Allen, the Super Bowl window is open, but players are getting older. Stefan Diggs is getting older. Some of these key players are getting older. I think the Bills would be A-OK having to not tear it down, but tear it down to a certain extent in two years, three years from now, if they have at least one Lombardi trophy in that trophy case. I think they're feeling a lot better about uh, what they, you know, the decisions that they make, if that's what it ends up being at the end of the day. So I'm all for them going all in. There's obviously prices to pay when that happens. We're seeing it with the Rams right now, but they also have a Lombardi trophy that they can look at when they walk down that hallway all the time. And that eases that pain quite a bit, I would think. So uh, before we get out of here uh, on the new Bills stadium that is projected to be erected uh, and ready uh, for the 2026 season, uh, you know, they're getting t- into the final stages here of pre, um, you know, ceremonial uh, dig location where they kind of un- unroll all that. Um, Ron Makuya gave an update here today. Um, the state has signed off on the deal. Uh, the state has put the funds necessary into the budget. The lawyers on the side of the county, Erie County, and the bills have been back and forth negotiating for months and months to finalize the deal. It is finalized. And now that the, you know, the bill side is going to get it to the Erie County legislator. They're going to have 30 days to review it. And then at that point it will be official, official, official. So, you know, we could be looking at in about 45 days, Ryan, the ceremonial um, first shovel in the ground on the site of the new stadium, which is exciting. There's a lot to kind of get into from what Ron uh, talked about today, but your thoughts on the renderings and and maybe where we're at here with the new stadium. Well, first it's good to hear that we're approaching the finish line, so to speak with, so we can get into the ceremonial uh, shovel digging pictures and, you know, cutting the, the proverbial red ribbon on the deal, whatever you want to say there. That's great. In, In terms of what we saw today. Yeah. I mean, it looks unbelievable compared to, you know, what the stadium has been for so long. You look at some of these artist renderings. I joked that they must like the podcast because all the shout things, but the, the neon lights when you're walking in there, the sports bar on the inside, uh, the renderings from, you know, at, at the stadium, outside of the stadium. This thing is just state of the art across the board. It, it looks phenomenal. I know I saw some fans saying, 
yeah, we're, we're now uh, three years away from being priced out of being able to get season tickets. Hopefully that doesn't end up being the case. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, in today's NFL, yes, money is king. But it, it's it's great to see, though, that, again, we're one step closer to those renderings actually taking place and being built and keeping the bills here long term. And just some important notes to keep in mind here over the next couple of seasons uh, for season ticket holders. It's, you know, most people in 2023, this upcoming season won't be affected uh, in terms of parking as they're kind of doing the construction across the street. Uh, Won't affect too many of the lots. It will, though, however, affect the RV lot. So if you Mm. get a whole big group into an RV and you go up to the game, you know, they're they're working on uh, workarounds for that because that that probably that entire RV lot is going to be closed down. And, you know, we, we come out of there after games, sometimes yeah. hours, four or five hours of the game, people are still kind of getting after it. Uh, they got the TV on in the RV. If it's, if the weather's nice, they're kind of out on some lawn chairs. Um, so that's going to change the dynamic for, you know, you don't think about it. Like you get to this point where you're going to build the new stadium right across the street and some people and their game day experience is going to be a f- impacted a little bit, probably even more so as you move down the line in 2024. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because you're right. You know, some of these games are leaving 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, and the the RV lot is still pretty packed and uh, they're enjoying themselves. They're not leaving until the next morning because they can stay the night there and uh, they don't have to worry about beating the traffic or or waiting on traffic. It's an ideal situation. So hopefully they end up finding a solution, a place where some of these RVs uh, can park, maybe not in terms of the, the amount that they currently have doing so, but some kind of temporary workaround would be great uh, for the fans because I know how many of them look forward to the RV lots and and being there for multiple days uh, to tailgate and hang out with their friends. I got full coverage from Phoenix up at uh, New York Upstate and Syracuse.com right now. Go read all about it. Ryan's got a couple stories up here today. Our awesome uh, producer, Anthony DeChico, he's got some stories up there as well. So make sure you go uh, – Consume all of that. Put it in your calendar. April 15th, back at Wingnuts, Joe Biscaglia is going to come out for our draft special. It's going to be fun. They're going to have drink specials. They're going to have uh, those amazing chicken wings, all different kinds of flavors that you could try. It's awesome. For Ryan, I am Matt. See you guys later. Have fun. We'll see you soon. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.